26, as you're turning there, uh, this really takes place uh, before that. It takes just before uh, Jesus is to go into Jerusalem. This takes place in Bethany. And so in Matthew chapter number 26 and verse number 6, the Bible says here, Now, when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, God, for the privilege that we have to be in your house. And God, truly, it is a privilege. It is an honor. And God, what an opportunity. And God, certainly there are places that it is not. Uh, they don't have the freedom to meet and they don't have the freedom to preach your word. And God, I pray that we'd not take that freedom for granted, but God, we'd be grateful every single service for the opportunity that we have to gather around your word. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch each and every heart as only you can as we look at the aspect of worship again this morning. And God, will be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done in Jesus. Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this passage, it is, uh, it is recorded here in the Gospel of Matthew. It's also recorded in the Gospel of Mark. And it's also recorded in the Gospel of John. And Matthew and Mark read very similarly. If you were to read them side by side, they would pretty much line up uh, identically. And there's not much difference. But if you were to go to the Gospel of John and you were to read the uh, account there in the Gospel of John, it would be quite a bit, uh, not different, but there would be other details that would be brought out that may make you scratch your head and say, is this even the same story? Uh, but it really, it is. And, uh, and as we look at that, I want to bring that out just to clarify right up front that it is the same story. Uh, in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Gospel of Mark, it says that they poured the oil, or she poured the oil rather, on his head. And in the Gospel of John, we see her at the feet of Jesus, wiping his feet uh, with that oil and with the hairs of her head. And you say, wait a minute, there's, that's two different accounts. Listen, it's very possible and it's probable that she would dump the oil on his head and then there would be some as well that would even drip down to his feet or that she would take and, and also put it on his feet and also anoint his feet. 
So there's not a discrepancy between the two, but rather more details that would emerge uh, from the passage. In Matthew and Mark, uh, I find this interesting, and I'll just throw this out there for your own intrigue, but Matthew and Mark also uh, often present Jesus as God, and so therefore the anointing of the head would be important, where the Gospel of John often presents Jesus as the Son of Man to the world, and therefore the worship of His feet being wiped with the hairs of her head would be more important. And so those details would be relevant to the, uh, to, the, to the audience that they would lay out their gospel for. And so I just point that out as just some interesting facts and some uh, few differences. But as we look at this passage this morning, I want us to understand this, that this is worship that delights the Lord. It is worship that delights the Lord. And I want us to look at a few things this morning and see what it was and, and why this whole passage is important. Of course, we see that Jesus was there in Bethany and he was in this house of Simon the leper. And, uh, and, and then this woman came in and in the Gospel of John, uh, it is, she's identified as Mary. And so I will refer to her as Mary, but Mary comes in and she has this very precious ointment and, uh, and she pours it on his head. As we look at this, I want us to notice that, that worship starts with the anointing of Jesus Christ. You say, well, what does that mean? Uh, as, as this woman, Mary, came in and she would, uh, she would anoint Jesus right on the head. And, and I thought... Well, that's kind of interesting. And where exactly does that come from? And why did she pour it on his head? And go with me, save your spot here in Matthew 26, as we'll be back here. But go with me to Exodus chapter number 29, and we think about this anointing for a little bit. And the, uh, the oil that was poured in, in Exodus chapter number 29, we find the first time that somebody, a person, is anointed with oil in the Bible. Now, anointing and oil actually goes all the way back uh, to the book of Genesis, and they would anoint uh, sacrifices, and they would anoint stones on the altar, and they would anoint different things with the, uh, with the oil that they would use. But in Exodus chapter number 29, as best as I can tell, it is the first time that a person is anointed with oil. And so in Exodus chapter number 29 and verse number 1, uh, you'll recognize it as the Old Testament law. And look what it says as God is, is laying out some rules and some things that the nation of Israel was to follow. The Bible says here in Exodus chapter number 29 and verse number 1, And this is the thing that thou shalt do unto them to hallow them to minister unto me in the priest's office. Take one young bullock and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread and cakes unleavened, tempered with oil, and wafers unleavened, anointed with oil. Of wheat and flour shalt thou make them. And thou shalt put them into one basket, and bring them in the basket with the bullock, and the two rams, and Aaron and his sons, thou shalt bring unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and shalt wash them with water. And thou shalt take the garments, and put upon Aaron the coat, and the robe of the ephod, and the ephod, and the breastplate, and gird 
him with the curious girdle of the ephod. I found that very interesting, the curious girdle. You'll have to look that up and study that sometime. I didn't have time to look at it, but I found that interesting. Verse number 6, And thou shalt put the mitre on his, upon his head, and, a, and put the holy crown upon the mitre. Then shalt thou take the anointing oil, and pour it upon his head, and anoint him. So we find there in verse number 7 that they are, uh, they are bringing Aaron and his sons into the service of being priests. And, uh, and a priest would be somebody that would intercede between God and man. And in the Old Testament, understand and realize that they did not have the completed Word of God, that Jesus Christ had not died on the cross yet, and so they were looking forward. God gave them instruction, and all of the rules of the Old Testament and the sacrifices were very symbolic of Jesus Christ and His taking away of the sins of the world. And so we understand that, but as we look at this, they were to anoint Aaron as the priest that would that would take care of the sacrifices for the sins of the people of Israel. And I find that very important. And as we look at this passage and we think about this, understand that uh, as Mary went into Jesus and she was anointing the very head of Jesus, understand that the first person ever to be anointed, at least in Scripture that I could find, was Aaron in the office of the priesthood. And as she was pouring that oil on Jesus' head, I'm sure she would have been very familiar with the Old Testament passages and with the rituals of the 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 tabernacle and the, uh, the temple of God and the priest, that they were to be anointed with oil. And she was anointing Jesus Christ, and it was a symbol of her saying, hey, Jesus is my high priest, and I want him to be my high priest, my redeemer, if you can say it that way. And listen, we need to come to a point in our life where we will anoint Jesus Christ as our only high priest to intercede between God and us. Hey, there's no other religion that can intercede for us. You can come to my office, you can talk to me all day long, and I'll pray for you. I'll be glad to pray for you. But you know the bottom line? I cannot save you. I cannot redeem you. You can confess your sins to your blue in the face, and I don't want you to do it, because you know what? I don't want to hear it. But it ain't going to save you, because I'm not God, and I don't have the ability to save you. And in anointing Jesus Christ and this passage, she was recognizing just before Jesus would enter in uh, to Jerusalem and just before He would die on the cross of Calvary and shed His precious blood for the sins of the world and then three days later raise again from the dead, she was recognizing the fact that, hey, Jesus Christ is my priest, my high priest, that will intercede to heaven for me. Oh, and we've got to come to a place where Jesus Christ is the only one that would intercede on our behalf for our sins and that would save our souls. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. It doesn't get much more plainer than that. 
And we have got to recognize Jesus Christ as the only intercessor for our sins and the only person that can change our life and the only person that can redeem our soul and the only person that can go between us and God and, 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 and cover that gap that is there. We see the Old Testament example of that. We see the fact that Jesus Christ is the one mediator and He's the only one that can go between. There's no other thing. There's no other person. The Bible says, For there is uh, one name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. And that's certainly in Jesus Christ. There is no other one. Uh, there's no other person. There's no other religious institution. There's no other way. Jesus is the only mediator and priest. It gets better than that. Because, listen, He only had to offer a sacrifice one time. Hey, those priests, they would do that time and time. I am so glad I am not an Old Testament priest. I mean, could you imagine... It would get old. I mean, uh, slicing the throat of that, of that bull and of that lamb and, and taking that blood and having to prepare those sacrifices time in and time out over and over and over again. And yet they would do it. Hey, listen, my Bible tells me in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Hey, praise the Lord. He didn't have to do it over and over and over again. Hey, one time, and the Bible says eternal redemption. That means you can't be lost again. That means you cannot lose your salvation because it is a one-time sacrifice. It is a one-time purchase. It is a one-time deal that Jesus Christ will save your soul for all of eternity. And Mary recognized, hey, I'm anointing His head because He's my priest. That's who I want interceding for me. That's who I want saving my soul. That's who I want to take care of me for the rest of my life. That's Jesus Christ. And she would anoint Him as her Redeemer. Praise the Lord for His redemption and His act of salvation that He did on the cross of Calvary. We see that in this anointing that she anointed Him as her Redeemer. Not only that, but as you go through the Old Testament, you'll find that that anointing oil was put away and they would use it for the sacrifices, yes, and, and they wouldn't use it for other things. But I tell you what, the second time that anointing oil comes out, the second time that we see that comes up in 1 Samuel chapter number 9. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter number 9. As we think about this anointing oil, and in Exodus it was to anoint the priest that would uh, the, be the intercessor really between the nation of Israel and God. And in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. He's our intercessor. He is our high priest. But in 1 Samuel chapter number 9, we find that that oil comes out again and they're about to anoint another person in the Bible and they're going to set him up as something in 1 Samuel chapter number 9. And look with me at verse number 16. We find Samuel is, is the, uh, the priest of God and the prophet of God, really. And, and he says here in verse number 16, And he will take your men servants. That's not the right verse. That's verse chapter 8. Verse number, chapter 9, verse 16. 
Let's go to verse 15. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow, about this time, I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people, because their cry is come unto me. Turn with me to chapter number 10 and verse number 1. We find that, uh, that God told Samuel in chapter 9 and verse 16 to go ahead and anoint Saul as the king. And in chapter number 10 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? We find that Saul was then set up to be the king of Israel. Hey, listen, when Mary would take that oil and she was anointing the very head of Jesus Christ, we find that she was anointing Him to be the priest and the Redeemer for her soul for the rest of her life. Not only that, but I want you to notice as well, as she was anointing the, the very head of Jesus, it was not only symbolic of the priesthood of Jesus Christ, but it was also symbolic of the kingly throne that He would set on and that He would be the ruler for all of eternity. And so she would anoint him as the redeemer she would anoint him as the ruler of her life it's funny when you talk to people and you want to uh tell them about salvation and i tell you what man if if uh if if anybody recognized that they were in a burning building they'd say yeah man throw me a rope get me out of here and they want the redeemer as a fire escape from hell and they don't want the punishment that goes along with their sin. But I tell you what, when it comes to Jesus ruling their life, let me pour half a bottle of oil on his head and let me just anoint him as the priest and redeemer of my life. But I want to run my own life and be my own ruler. Boy, and that's kind of the problem we run into today. And listen, I'm not saying that, uh, that, that, uh, that uh, the old saying uh, that is incorrect, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. I'm not talking about lordship salvation, if maybe you heard that term, that if he's not Lord of your life, then you're not saved. Uh, we have many examples in Bible, made great preaching, but it really doesn't line up with the Bible. And, and so I'm not saying that, but I am saying that as Christians, and in Mary's case, I think she anointed Jesus as the ruler of her life. Oh, we're quick to anoint him as priest and say, yeah, I want to be saved. Yes, I don't want to go to hell. I want my life redeemed. But at the same time, hey, we ought to anoint him as the king that would be the ruler of our world, of our life. They anointed Sam, Saul, and Saul became the king over Israel, I started accidentally reading in, in chapter 8 and verse number 16, and, and, uh, and, and they were talking about the negatives of a king, that, hey, he's going to take your daughters and your sons to be the warriors, and, and that, listen, hey, when you get saved, Jesus does want to take control of your life. And he does want you to give him your children. And he does want you to serve him for the rest of your life. But listen, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Because he is a good ruler. 
And we find that as Mary would be anointing Jesus, not only was she anointing Him as the Redeemer of her life, but she was anointing Him as the ruler of His life. And listen, we need to take in our life the understanding that, hey, God is to be our ruler. We are to follow Him. The Bible says in Matthew 10, 27, My sheep hear My voice, and they follow Me. We have a responsibility as Christians to follow God. The sign for that is follow. That would be somebody leading, somebody following, and saying, hey, we're going to follow after God. You know what? In our life, there are so many, so many distractions in this world. I think far more than existed 100 years ago. I think we have far more distractions. We follow a lot of things. Anybody who uses social media, they know all about follow. Uh, a preacher, when he started preaching, one of them, I, I heard him say, are, are you tracking? Are you following? And uh, are you following me? Did you, did you follow me on Twitter? And, and stuff like that. And, and listen, we, we follow so many things with our life. But our life should be following Jesus Christ. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Ephesians 5.1 says, be therefore followers of God as dear children. We follow a lot of things, but we must follow uh, Jesus Christ. My favorite bumper sticker of all times is the one that's written in real small print. And it says, do you follow Jesus this closely? You can only read it if you're tailgating. I love that bumper sticker. What a good question, though. Do you follow Jesus that closely? We ought to follow Jesus. She was anointing Jesus Christ, not just as the Redeemer that would save her soul, but as the ruler that would guide her life and would tell her, hey, and, and, he, and she's saying, hey, I will submit and follow you. Sometimes people kind of burr at authority. They uh, make gives them the shivers and they kind of uh, tense up when, when somebody becomes authoritative. Listen, Jesus Christ has every reason and every uh, responsibility to be our ruler and our authority in our life. And sometimes we as humans, we have that rebellious nature kind of bristles up and it kind of gets hard. And as the Bible says, the hard-heartedness or the uh, stiff-necked and, and, and we tend to tense up and, and resist that kind of authority. Listen, we ought, to, we ought to anoint Jesus Christ as the ruler of our life, not just the Redeemer. Are you anointing Jesus this morning as the Redeemer of your life? Are you anointing Jesus as the ruler of your life? Will you give Him full control of your life and say, God, I will follow you. I think Mary was busy anointing Jesus and she was, uh, she was anointing Him as the Redeemer. She was anointing Him as the ruler of, his life, of her life. I want you to notice this. As we think about her anointing the Lord Jesus Christ, she did it, and it was certainly a very somber and a very serious moment. There's no doubt about it. She did it in a, out of a, 
a, a love and a desire. And, and you think about the cost that was involved. And we'll, we'll probably not get there for today for sake of time. But, but there was a cost involved that she would anoint Jesus Christ. They say that that spikenard that she had would have been one year's wages to earn that. I want you to stop for a moment and think, how much do you have in a one year? And then I want you to think, Man, giving all of that to God in one shot, like she did. She would have saved for a long time to get that. It was costly. It was not something that was frivolous or uh, just uh, flippant to her. It was a serious somberness that she would worship the Lord with this, this costly uh, perfume and ointment that she had, that she would dump it uh, on the very head and anoint Jesus Christ as the Redeemer and as the ruler of her, of her life. It was not a, a flippant decision, but rather a serious one. And sometimes, though, when we look at all of this, we say, you know, in rejoicing, or rather in serving and worshiping the Lord, it kind of almost can become a drudge in our life if we're not careful. Listen, it ought not be a drudge. Go with me to Psalm 45. I want you to see this verse and I'm just going to give it to you. I'm not going to pretend that I understand completely this verse because I'll be honest with you, I do not. But I'm going to take what it says at face value and we're going to look at it and we're going to understand that there is this aspect and this is very true. In Psalm chapter 45 and verse number uh, 7, we, we find that, uh, that oil of anointing again. The Bible says in verse number 7, Psalm 45, 7, Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Let me just pause right here and say this that if you're anointing the very head of Jesus Christ as your Redeemer and as your ruler, that probably fits you, that you're going to love righteousness and you're going to hate uh, wickedness, that you would draw nigh to the Lord Jesus Christ and you would depart from wickedness, that you would desire a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm just saying this in verse number 7, Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness, Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. We see that she anointed Jesus as her Redeemer. She anointed Jesus as her ruler of her life. But I want you to notice as well that in all of that anointing that was going on and in all of the worship that was taking place right there, hey, there was a joy that could never depart. And there was an anointing of, I'll put it this way, rejoicing. So it starts with an R. And we find, hey, there's a lot of joy in serving Jesus. It ought not just be a drudge. Well, Jesus wants to rule my life, and I got to because that's what the pastor said, and that's what the Bible says, and, and I got to do this, and I got to do that. Hey, can I tell you something? Serving the Lord ought to be the most joyful thing in your life. Every day I get up, and you know what? I don't have regrets about what I did yesterday. When you're serving the Lord, there are no regrets. 
Hey, it's a clean slate and you're saying, man, I can go on and, and there's no regrets and there's no problems and there's, no, uh, there's no, none of those bad feelings because you know, hey, it is a joy to serve Jesus. And this woman, when she anointed the Lord Jesus Christ, she didn't do it for this reason. She didn't do it for the recognition. But I tell you what, Jesus said, hey, I take such delight in that that wherever the gospel is going to pre be preached, I want her to be mentioned about and Jesus took joy and I think her life was full of joy you know the world would have you to believe man those Christians they're not fun there you go sit in church and you got to do this and you got to do that and rules and regulations and this and that and it's not fun can I tell you what the Bible says right there in that verse that we read the last part Thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. The Bible says in, in Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice as a Christian hey we can be the happiest people on the face of the earth because number one we've been redeemed hallelujah we're not going to hell hey that ought to put a smile on your face that ought to make you happy because we don't have an eternal condemnation we've been born again but on top of that hey listen Jesus Christ rules our life can I tell you something about Jesus as a ruler of our life he makes better decisions than I, I was going to say you, probably you too. He makes better decisions than I ever will for my life. Can I tell you, I've made mistakes in my life. I, I, I've found when I make my own decisions, you know what I do? I mess up a lot. Anybody else like that? I mean, I'm like that. But you know what? When I allow Jesus to be my king, and I, I anoint him as ruler of my life. And I say, God, I want to be subject to you and I want to follow you. And it comes out so much better. And there's just a joy in serving Jesus. There's been many times in Peru and, and in Italy even, and I tell you what, there, I, there have been times I, I knew I, well, I needed to go pass out tracks. Man, I didn't feel like doing it. I tell you what, I was tired. It was hot or it was cold or this or that or whatever excuse. And boy, we're masters at excuses. I'd say, you know what? I'm going to go. I don't care if I have a headache. I don't care if it's hot. I don't care if it's cold. I don't care what the circumstances are. I know it's the right thing to do. And though my flesh does not want to do it, I'm going to go do it. Every single time, every single time without fail that I would do what God wanted me to do, I came back and I was glad that I did it. Not everything didn't always go right. I didn't see people saved every time that happened. But every time I came back and I knew within myself I had done what God had asked me to do and it produces a gladness and a joy in your life that is just unexplainable. And the Bible says that he anointed them with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. 
And I'm just saying that when Mary anointed Jesus, she anointed him as redeemer. She anointed him as ruler. And she anointed him rejoicing in the fact that, hey, she could serve the Lord. That she could do something to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Worship starts with anointing. Worship has sacrifice. We don't have time to look at it, but there was a great sacrifice she paid for that. But I do want you to notice this. Worship stands out as well. Hey, there's critics. You look at that passage. Matter of fact, go back there in Matthew chapter 26 and just look with me just for a moment at these. The Bible says there in verse number 8, Matthew 26, 8, but when his disciples saw it, wait a minute, wait, there must be a misprint. It was probably the Pharisees, right, that saw it. No, no, no. It was his disciples. It wasn't the scribes and the Pharisees and the heathen and the, and the heretical. It was his disciples. And when his disciples saw it, they had indignation saying, to what purpose is this waste? I find it interesting, but listen, sometimes Christians will pull you back from worshiping the Lord and say, hey, the cost is just too great. Why would you do all of that? Why would you spend all your time doing that? Why would you pay that price? Why would you do this? Why would you do that? Why would you go to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night? Why would you spend time reading your Bible? And why would you spend so much time in prayer? And why would you do this? And the criticisms can mount up and mount up and mount up. But can I tell you what? That, that she wasn't concerned what the other people were saying. She was more concerned with the fact that, hey, I am worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. And it matters to me what he says, not what all the others say. Those disciples, they criticized her. They said, why? And then they said, the second part of that criticism was, man, we could have sold that and given it to the poor. We could have done something better with that time. Can I tell you something that worshiping the Lord is never, never lost, wasted time. It's always good time. It's always right to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. She worshiped and she anointed him as the redeemer. She anointed him as the ruler. She anointed him and I'm sure that she rejoiced when she left. You think about this, the timing of it all. I was thinking about it. This may have been her last opportunity. He would enter into Jerusalem. They'd lay those palm leaves down. And it wouldn't be just a few days later, he'd be in the garden praying all night. They would betray him and take him away. And she would have never had an opportunity to worship him like she did if she had held off just one time. Said, no, not today. The next time. Later, I'll put it off. No, she said, I want to worship him now. And I have no doubt she was glad she did. She rejoiced. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand our feet, worship that delights the Lord is anointing him as your redeemer. If you've not been saved, why not ask Jesus to save you? Anointing him as ruler and saying, you know what? I want God to rule my life. And there's anointing of the oil of gladness. 
I think that's just kind of the result of anointing the Lord. Man, how it puts a joy in your life of serving Jesus. Father, I thank you for each and every person that's here. Those who have tuned in online, Father, to hear the, the preaching. and God, I pray that if any person would hear this and they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior, God, that they would call out to you and ask you to save their life today. God, that in an essence they would anoint you as the Redeemer of their life. God, for the, us Christians, God, I pray that you'd help us to anoint you as the ruler of our life. And God, that we would take great joy in serving Jesus. God, I pray that you'd be with each and every person. God, I know there's critics. I know there are those who will criticize what we do, what we say. But help us to be more concerned with what you think than what others think. And to worship you with our life. Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the music begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, have you anointed Jesus Christ as your Savior today, as your Redeemer? Have you anointed Him as ruler in your life? Have you rejoiced in serving Jesus? What a joy it really is to serve the Lord. playing, the altar is open. You can pray there in your seat. You can pray at the altar, whatever the need. to a close and again I appreciate you